Welcome to the Mindful Surfer podcast with myself, Will Foster, and my co-host, Liam Morgan, who was ripping yesterday on his new puddle jumper. And he wasn't naked, which was surprising because he's been doing this dance um, (laughs) since he got it, which to any of you who've only just tuned in to this, I'll recap. When Liam got his new board, he did this naked dance and... Did you have someone record it? Because I think you wanted to send it to Matt Biolis, didn't you? To say, look, this is why we're worth sponsoring. Because we're that stoked that we just want to just party naked. We just feel so happy to be riding your boards. And you know what he said? <laughs> hey, you guys, I've never seen so much respect shown for my surfboards. <laughs> I've no idea who this is. That's how Matt Biolis who, talks. Everybody who, knows that. Who is this? New York sandwich deli hey, you selling guy. You like the surfboards? <laughs> so I'm really bad. sorry to so all bad. of our American listeners who are now turning off in droves. And uh, thanks for joining us for the last so few weeks. Bad. I'm sorry for offending you. Oh, dude. Never honestly. mind. Never mind this business about dancing and that. What people really want to know, Will, is after the Eastly Swell finally arrived and we were given waves after what was a fairly extended flat period for us. Did you, as you may have committed to doing last week, sit on the beach and meditate because you were happy to give up surfing? No, not even close. It was... (laughs) (laughs) It was like I said, in fact, this is actually really good because it's normally me taking the piss out of you. It's just actually, this is about time that you take the piss out of me, my friend. Obviously, I'm not holier than thou. And uh, I did say last week, well, you know, I'm just, I'm just so contented. I just, I'm not sure if I even really need surf in a way right now and then <laughs> the second there was a little yeah will's in little, there pushing groms out just, of the way just a little, yeah, dropping ex- in on people yeah, thank you exactly exactly the moment there was a little glimmer of swell i was there what's really funny is i don't know if you do this but it will not get me to the beach any quicker but when it's time to get ready to go surfing there's this i don't know if other people have this i might be completely on my own but i have this weird like rush it's like i start rushing it's bizarre it's like it's the excitement Mm -hmm. that's spilling over into almost an anxiety like fuck i need to get to the beach and it's just got to get there and it's really bizarre it's something i've had to work at am i alone on that like did you ever find yourself getting a bit frantic before you go it's like the scene from home alone when the alarm goes off or if they oversleep and they're like yeah let's get to the airport on time quick we're gonna miss the flight and you always think it won't be as good when i get there if i don't hurry up Mate, it's true. And it starts going through the various thoughts. Crowds. Yeah. What's it going to be like in that way? Where am I going to position myself? Is the tie going to be too high? Is the tie going to have dropped out? Or is the wind going to have kicked in? A number of other things like, you know, I need to get back for five because I've got a client or got family or like, it's just life. We've got this thing called the mind that's kind of like distracting us from just, just bring it back. I've got an extension of that. And uh, maybe this applies to people who, well, anybody who goes to the beach as well, when it's a session with their partner, sometimes their friends or their family, particularly with family, this one. And you're going for a, let's call it a family day out. You know the swell and you're going to the beach and it's pumping. You're like, come on, guys, let's get ready. Let's go. Let's get in the van. Let's go to the beach. And there's messing about, faffing about, as is often the case when you're trying to get people out of a household and of different age groups and certainly different motivations for sitting on a beach all day. You get there, and it's like, okay, at what moment am I able to say, okay, is everybody set up and happy, and you good? You good? Can I go in the water? And all the time, you're still not in the moment, because you're like, I want to get in, I want to get in, I want to get in the water. Dude. Many a 
argument post-beach, having rushed everybody there. Dude, massively. Like, I remember walking my daughter down to the beach. <laughs> the clouds come over. I, I, yeah, quite. I remember walking my daughter down to the beach last year. This is like a North Coast thing where we stay. We've got a little family place up there. I was being all mindful and I was like, come on, sweetheart. And we're holding hands. It was really nice. I was holding my puddle jumper under my left arm and holding her hand with my right hand. You know, just it's fine. And then started seeing this well. My wife was behind me with our son, who at the time was very little. (laughs) I'm doing the, you know, the good husband thing and it's just nice and steady. And I start getting over the brow of the hill and I can start seeing these kind of four, five foot sets kind of peeling through and, oh, (laughs) come on, days. Just a little, little tiny bit quicker. Come on, honey. Just And eventually I went, honey, um, do you mind if I just go surfing? She said, no, that's fine. And then literally I'm gone. That's it. I just ran. I said, honey, as in my wife, Al, I'm going to leave the kids with you. I'm going to leave Daisy with you. Is that right? She's like, yeah, just go. I think the thing about surfing is the family and friends that are around those humans just have to know that that's just how it goes. You know, you have this thing that you love that much that has so many tricky little variables around it. This sport is not even close to tee-off time. You know, oh, okay, we've booked to 10 o'clock tee-off time for the golf. We've got the tennis courts booked at one. We've got football match, cricket match, it starts at... That is what also contributes to the stress of a surfer (laughs) around family, isn't it? Because it's like, it's fucking tides, it's winds, it's people, it's crowds. It's like, there's so many bits that we can't control. So I think what it is is... We're trying to control all those variables at once. And you can't. And that's why it can get stressful. There are two questions that you kind of don't want to hear as a surfer, isn't it, from your family or your loved ones? uh, What time are you surfing? Classic. I don't know. I'll know when I know. (laughs) Yes, so true. And how long are you going to be? Dude. I don't know. My parting line, because I swear to God, my dear wife, she has asked me thousands of times, how long are you going to be? How long are you going to be? And I go, my stock answer is about an hour. And... I am consistently home in two and a half. She's so accomodating. I'm blessed. We in are that grateful. Way. And very, thankful. very grateful. But here's a big but as well. I always say, and, and again, it's a serious point in that, that said with a smile on my face, is that that version of I'll be back in an hour or I'm just going to get a couple of waves and I'll come home is so much healthier than I'm just popping to the pub for a couple. Because I've done both, right? But the version of... I'm just going to go for a couple of waves. The human you come back from the water mm. as, for me anyway, personally, I, I hope people relate to this listening wherever they are in the world, is so much better than the guy that comes back having stayed for one more, you know, one for the road mm. in the water is a way better version of one for the road in the pub. There's one bit I want to mention that, that is counter to that though, and it's that when I haven't hydrated post-surf, I can get really irritable with family and I certainly find myself not in that good stoke type place and that better human etc to see them in that way but if i have hydrated i am it's fine but i don't know if anyone listening to this notices that but certainly the kind of like the post surf bit it's actually quite an interesting time in which to manage your body because you've come away from this high or low you listen depends on what kind of surf you have but let's say most of the time you come away from sort of some sort of reasonable joy high etc which is going to clearly be something you come off of like something that comes up it's got to come down so there's that to manage there's also kind of like just, you know, people, car parks and things, and sometimes longer drives, you've got to refocus on that. And it's hydration. It's how you fuel yourself afterwards. It's that hydration bit. Sometimes maybe a bit of carbohydrate, a bit of amino acids, whatever it is. But if you get it wrong and you don't hydrate enough, I can find myself kind of feeling pretty irritable and pretty like not recovered and tired and and not that human that I want to be when I bring that stoke home, should I say. 
So I don't know, how do you find that? You have like two sips and you, that's your done. I'm you? hydrated. You're, fuck, you're the fucking camel dude. So what, what I do is I combine... Does, does one piss like every six months? I think I've got some <laughs> internal desalination thing in my system where I can drink <laughs> seawater and just be fine. Unreal. <laughs> I've got so much respect for people who do that. There's a lot of people do. On a serious note, a lot of people I've worked with over the years in my mind and body coaching... I found that water is one of the greatest differences in humans I've seen. Like how much hydration someone needs really varies from person to person. And you can only just know yourself, but there will be certain symptoms of dehydration, either before a surf, during a surf or after a surf. And they are just generally based around fatigue. I think fatigue is the main one. And then that can slip into kind of irritability or a feeling of drowsiness or whatever it might be. Often the case isn't that we need, you know, another coffee or another banana or a pack of Haribo sweets or whatever else. It's actually that just we need a few more sips of water. Yeah, and that's, it's that's a big one. Amazing how it works. The amount of times where I've been quite fatigued in a session, like a surf, and I've gone, oh, do you know what? I'm just going to nip out and just go and grab a bit more water, grab a bit more water, come back in. It's like a completely different session. And it's like amazing how your mind feels like, oh God, I feel pumped for this. I feel up for this. Well, again, and I am drinking water as we speak. Yeah. I cycle to the studio, which I'll come back to in a second. My parents don't drink. Well, my dad doesn't drink water. His idea of uh, sort of rehydrating is to have an extra large cup of tea. (laughs) You know, whatever he's working on. And maybe that's where it came from. You're right. Surfing is interesting like that as well, isn't it? You know, we often talk about you don't have half time. You don't get substituted when you're knackered. But neither do you have a water break. Which other physically demanding exercise would you do, even if you're doing it for the Zen kind of vibe, like we often do, just kind of have fun? Where you stay in for like maybe even two or three or four hours, Mm -hmm. the four hour sessions, Mm -hmm. you don't have a drink. Nope. And sometimes you've done that, or I've done that, on a couple of coffees before we hit the beach. Yep. And you come out like. Yep. It's amazing. It's also the amount of time that we surf too, because we sort of assume that, God, geez, I've got to be in here for hours and hours. Mm to get the most amount of stoke. Mm. It's a huge myth. How is more waves better? I'm not saying that it's wonderful to be distracted from your mind for three or four hours as opposed to an hour because you've got to go back to the realities of life after that shorter surf. And that's, listen, we're all human. But it's just what I'm trying to say is that at the same time, it's knowing when to get out. Like, for example, yesterday, you know, it got to maybe like an hour and I was starting to get fatigued. My knee was niggling a little bit. In hindsight, and using that, looking back in time, my wiser self would have got out. Yeah. But I stayed in kind of via mind, basically, with mind wanting to be still distracted by the joy of, of what was going on there. We had that flat spell. And similar to you not sitting and meditating on the beach, the Thursday you managed to keep going. But we both did a double sesh on the Thursday when the swell finally arrived. And I was so eager for it that I was like, yep, double session. Now, the first session was hard enough. And I was knackered from that session. And if I'd have been a mindful surfer that day and taken some of my own advice, only, what, three episodes ago we were talking about burnout. I'll ignore that. I'll ignore that. (laughs) Uh, What was I saying? I forgot. That's really I've ignored that. And I've gone in for a second (laughs) sesh. The case in point with that is I got the first 20 minutes of the second sesh great because I was still absolutely pumped and having a great old time. And we'd had a fantastic surf in the morning. First time out on this really proper ride out on this new board. But then for the last 40 minutes of that second sesh, I was just drifting up and down the beach. I was one peak to the next peak, stopped really catching anything. And how many times have we said on the show, the moment I stopped catching stuff, I should just get out of the water. And I didn't. But then I missed. Here is uh, it's a hard lesson. The Friday, the evening session looked lovely, but I was so cooked. Mm-hmm. I couldn't get back in the water. You couldn't physically do it? No. 
you've got to listen to you. You really have to just got to listen to your body. But at the same time, be so kind to yourself when you don't because surfing's so fucking addictive. (laughs) (laughs) And let's be really frank and really honest. How many times are we going to truly, truly listen to our body versus not and just go in because it's surfing and it's so good. Reality is we're going to be in that latter camp. We're going to go in again. And each time we do, there is also a duality in the sense that there's a duality in everything. But the duality in overdoing it is actually your, yes, you're overtraining, you're oversurfing. But once you've recovered from that, there's a compensation. You get new gains. You do actually, if you really have to dig very, very, very deep into the well to get a second session going, a session going the next day, back-to-back days, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And you start to really like go, what, can I even manage another surf? Yeah, it's probably wiser to maybe do little surfs, 20 minutes, 40 minutes, or maybe not surf at all. But at the same time, if you do go in and you're shattered, yeah, you'll be shattered and you won't get your best turns in that you've ever done. But give it a couple of days after a recovery, when the next swell comes round again, man, you're going to have made huge gains because you've gone so deep into the well that then when the well is refilled, bang, you're ready to smash it. So there's so much duality with duality and everything. There's pluses and minuses. But I think that um, oftentimes it comes back to this aspect of how you think your surfing is going. And I know that yesterday when I could and will hopefully get out, when I could have got out the time that my body was telling me to get out, I would have left on a high. I left on a like, oh, do you know what? My surfing's really on point right now. Feels really tuned in, etc. But I didn't. I left more with like a, mm, didn't quite work. And my knee was hurting there. And that feels a bit funny. It's that too. It's mentally how it affects you. Because you, in sport, in life, we sort of want to keep those good vibes rolling. And if you think about this thing called the mind, it stores up memories. And memories are very powerful unless we're aware of them. And memories are like, well, it was like that on the last time. So what will it be like on the next time? And it can slightly tarnish your perception of reality because reality is things are nowhere near as bad as you think they were and they're nowhere near as good either. You know, it's always somewhere in between. As we always say, it will come and go. Hmm. And so the sessions that we've had in the last sort of five, six days have swelled since the last episode. Two things makes you realise and be accepting of being a human and where even being aware of all these practices that we're putting in and trying all of this stuff, you can drift into a place where joking aside you forget it and you, you kind of you don't take your own advice but just by being aware of it helps you build back around it and make gains and then the other thing like you say will is this idea that just because you have one great session doesn't mean the next session will be amazing and just because you have a shit session doesn't mean the next session will be the same so it's letting go of each one because we had a fantastic ride out yesterday and i really was really happy with some of the stuff because the vibe was good in last night's session but the night before when I just got in, I'd be, I couldn't get in when it was good earlier on because I had a family function to attend. I'd missed some of the good swell. And we got in a really high shore break and it was pretty powerful swell was still coming through. It was the first session in I God knows how many years, let's say. Well, I didn't actually catch, not ashamed to admit it because it's good learning. I'd caught no, I mean, we were in for what, 40 minutes. I, mm-hmm. I caught nothing, not one wave. It was too, too shorey for me. Too shorey, yeah, it but, was. I got out and I didn't beat myself. I was like, okay, it was nice to, better than watching TV. I was having, had a little paddle around. It was fun. And that's just is what it is. And I didn't then take that into the session the next day. But yesterday, even if I'd have had any of those demons, all exercised because it was a totally different surf. In the end, it was still quite a short break session. Totally do. I think what keeps us coming back to surf over and over, so much of it is based on that next wave. 
and how different it is from the last one. And that next session, how different it was from the last one. It's constantly going to provide something different, something new. That's an incredibly unique thing to have in sport because we were all out for that kind of novelty, that little spark of something different. To have that from a sport, you know, you can get that from surfing, even if you surf the same beach over and over and over. It's always going to be just that little bit different every single time based on how you felt that day, the boards you're riding, how the swell was coming in, etc. I mean, even look at like pipeline. Pipeline is this kind of like, gets deemed to be this kind of, it is of course, like one of the world's greatest waves. But the amount of nuances that affect pipeline on any given winter, any given swell, any given day, is massive, massive, massive. So, you know, those guys are riding there all the time and what probably brings them into that and the joy they get from it is because you don't really quite know what you're going to get. And that's from a wave as seemingly regular and this is going to do what it's going to do as pipeline. It's always providing this novelty, this variation. And so I think what we've got to be able to do is go with that and embrace that. And there'll be sessions where you do just go, fuck, I couldn't put anything together there. To take us back to that, the deeper end of our mindful surfer experience is it's a huge metaphor for life, therefore, isn't it? Because if you can accept that even the things that you expect are going to be the same will maybe never be the same, but you can gain different levels of enjoyment from different times, even though you might be in the same place, then you can sort of take that out into whatever you want to call it, the unreal world or the real world, and apply it. And for me, that really helps because... Having to accept that the place where you had so much fun, one day you might get pounded the next, or where you had a frustrating session one day, you might get a brilliant session the next. It is so much about change and irregularity. And like the seasons, when you look at nature, you're so connected to it. There is such an inherent connection when you get so much joy out of the ocean because it is so wild and it's so ever-changing. The thing that you cannot do with any of that, which is a great life lesson, is control it. It is the ultimate exercise in experiencing total lack of control of the conditions. You just get what you get. So true. You just got to let go, baby. It's don't, really cool. Don't sing. Don't sing. Okay, I promise. promise. And I haven't said anything about pubic hair either, which is quite impressive for me. But there you go, I just said it. Matt Bylos wrote in about that as well. He's particularly offended by that. I bet he's got a hellish bush on him. Do you see that beard on him? I bet he's got a serious, serious 70s bush down there. That is the end of any... Proper. That's Coming out the top of his bodies, you know? You're never getting sponsored now. No, no. Oh, of course not. No, no. Of course not. Hey, I love you. No, I trim. <laughs> that's very good. <laughs> that's very good. Initially, you said it. So that's quite funny. And then, okay, the joke kind of kicks in. Works on all Tr- levels. Trim, trim. Yeah, I get it. Doesn't yeah. it? I, 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 get it. I get it. Do you ever have that thing where people tell you a joke and they look at you like, God, you really should be able to get this? And you're not getting it at all. I have that all the time. I swear it's just my brain isn't very good. But people do. They say, oh, that's a great joke. Tell me a joke. And they tell me the joke. And I look at them like this, blank. And they're like, do you get it? And what I used to do when I was younger, I think I used to kind of like, ha, ha, ha. And in my head go, what the fuck does that mean? (laughs) (laughs) And as I've gotten older, I've now gotten less and less shy of just looking at people in the face and just admitting my stupidity. So it's sort of, as I've gotten older, like, Gone. No. no, no, I am stupid. I'm, and that's okay. You give him a pen and a paper and say, "Can you just, can you draw me a picture of it?" Yeah, like give me the equation of how that <laughs> joke worked. Can you just explain it to me? Hey, hope you're enjoying the show. If you connect with what we do here at the Mindful Surfer, why not share it with your friends? Or go on over to iTunes and leave us a review. Because the more ratings we have, the more likely it is Liam and I can come back week after week and keep building this community of mindful surfers. Now, let's get back to the show. 
segment number two, the mindful surfer. Just a couple of minutes, just to check in with your breathing, just to raise the awareness. So let's take a deep breath in through your nose. And breathe out. And deep breath in. And breathe out. And breathe in. And breathe out. Take a few more breaths. I want you to really just tune into the sensation of air going through your nose and the sensation of air leaving your mouth. So just give yourself that time to do those mindful breaths. Great work, guys. One of the misperceptions of people who do mindfulness and meditation is that they will be someone who is uber spiritual and therefore takes life quite seriously. And nothing could be further from the truth. A great sense of humor, as it was once said, is the ultimate spiritual sophistication. To be able to take the piss out of yourself and take the piss out of the world in, in a lighthearted way, in a way that you get it, you know, get that rapport right. Because listen, you've got to be kind to ourselves with getting that right every single time. We do sometimes go over the line. I know I can push the line quite far, but it's just reading energy. And if you ever go over the line, just be able to say sorry and whatever. When you are growing in mindfulness and you're growing in awareness and your presence for life is increasing and therefore your appreciation of nature, appreciation of love, of family, of what you have, letting go of all the bullshit ego-related ideas that you need to be a certain way to fit into society. As you grow and grow, it's not like your sense of humour shouldn't grow with that. And I think in the world we live in at the moment with the woke crowd, it's in some ways never been a more interesting time. I was going to say tricky, but it's not. As It's never been a more interesting time to have a, what I call, raucous sense of humour, a sense of humour that will go to all avenues, all areas, if you so wish. There's humour in everything, it really is. And it's one of those ones where you just got to know who you're with, how it's being said, because that's the thing that gets missed when people take things with the woke crowd and go, oh, you can't say that's so offensive, etc. Well, context is everything. If you're in that group and the vibe is right, then yeah, you can go there. But if the vibe isn't right, then it's probably wise at this point in society to stop yourself getting in trouble, you know? You're right, because life is serious. We know that. It is quite literally a matter of life and death. So, But it's too serious to take it seriously, if you want to look at it in that way. So, but it's both serious and completely and, not and at the completely, same time. It's, it, yeah, it's yeah, absurd. That's, that's what I'm saying. So we have to do two things. Humans have developed great sense of humor, the ability to laugh and to kind of experience just unadulterated joy just for the sake of it. In order as well, it's very important to keep a sense of humor. Because when we did this, we wanted to do mindfulness with a smile on its face, right? Because... There is something in the ego, especially if you read very accessible, like Eckhart Tolle, yeah? so you can get into his books, and I'm reading A New Earth at the moment again, and just it helps me get to sleep, weirdly, because it puts you right in the zone. The point in this often relates to power and ego. It doesn't want to be laughed at, because laughter often is a very good way of diffusing or taking out egos and power. To kill off humour and laughter, to not try and walk as best you can with a smile on your face, is giving into this kind of, to giving into ego, actually. And there's a lot of mindfulness out there and whatever you want to call it, anything that has a label that really goes so serious that mm. it's heavy, 
there's such an ego to that for me as just a lay person looking in the window and thinking, okay, that's cool. And, you know, we embrace spirituality and nature and open-minded people and like to kind of explore the world as it is and so many fascinating pockets to look at and uncover and turn over stones. If you wear that vibe with a, a shield that gives you a sense of superiority over other people, then you are absorbed in ego totally. In a way, those people, those people, I'm saying it myself, but there's no judgment in this. Often people are doing that, although they profess to, and then they cannot be aware that that's there. Now, we mm. all fall into that trap because in surfing as well, this is what I've said before, this kook thing is just a way of making surfers, whatever level they are, feel better than someone else. And therefore, they validate their skills or they validate their opinion or they make themselves feel more superior. And the heaviness that goes with some of our, let's call it industry, with, with mindfulness and that, is just heavy ego. Simple as that. It's because so it also judges others. Mm. And judging other people for whatever you want to put, insert whatever here, how they surf, how they dress, what they do, who they are, who they hang out with, who they date, what their skin color, any of that judgment is to make the person that's judging feel better. So true. This brings me to when I spoke with my sister a couple of days ago about a TV show she was recommending. It relates to what you're describing here about heaviness. So I said to her, it was a little epiphany I had, just a light bulb moment of the really stark difference between heaviness and depth. Because I said to her, I said, so really want to watch this show that you recommended. Great. But I've got to ask, is it heavy or has it got depth? Or both. And she said, no, no, it's got depth. It's got depth. And that's cool. And left it there. The epiphany I came to was, when you think of a lot of TV shows nowadays, they're very, um, they're very heavy. And what I mean by that is they're using this general anxiety building technique within storyline to create the allure, the kind of pull, the addiction. Oh, the TV show. My God, have you watched this show? It's a, and it's very easy to do that to humans. But to create a TV show that has depth is very, very, very difficult because it takes someone who's incredibly mindful to be able to do that because depth is a very different feeling from someone to heaviness. Now, someone could be talking about something very woke and very sort of current in today's world and even be talking about, let's say, kooks, right, yeah. for example. But when they do it with depth, there's a lightness and an openness and what we call an inner space within them. So when you're hearing someone like that speak, it's as if they're in space. There's so much energy around them that's just moving freely, flowing and saying what they're saying. They're not trying to weigh down the environment around them. But when someone comes in with, you know, I'm right, you're wrong. My way is the right way, your way is the wrong way. You know, all this kind of like egoic, I'm over here and all these people over there are idiots. Mm. You can sense the separateness going on and therefore sense the ego and therefore there's a heaviness to that. Well, the ego thrives on separateness, doesn't it? Exactly. Separating itself. You go, I am holier than thou because I am, and insert whatever you want there, doesn't matter what it is. And that works on both sides. Whatever side of any spectrum you're on, you can validate yourself by feeling that you're separate. And we, there is only oneness, isn't there? As we, as we kind of trying to kind of discover ourselves. And it's easy to fall into those traps. I was reading something the other day which kind of worries me slightly about that. And this is where it plays into consume all kinds, you know, light and dark and deep. And so you're not just absorbing one thing and getting lost down this sort of heavy vortex. Because the brain, some neuroscientists are talking about how the brain wires itself. If you are exposed to fear, 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 anxiety, anxiety, your brain starts to then behave in that way. Neurochemistry goes because the synapses are sort of all firing and connecting. And it's wiring itself to be more, it's like your quote about, you know, do you live in a friendly or an unfriendly universe thing? And you go, okay, boom, I'm now in fear. The flip of that is if you absorb light and 
laughter and openness, your brain wires in that way as well. And I'd love to read some more about that. I'm going to go and sort of pick up on it because that was where I thought, whoa, you know, if mm. all you ever consume, especially in these days of social media, right, is one particular thing. It's like eating the same cereal every day. You turn into, you are what you eat and you are what you read and you are what you watch. And, you know, so it's so well said. Variety is hugely important. I am so passionate about the stuff you're talking about there. I'm unbelievably picky about what I watch and read. If it isn't making me laugh or lifting me up, it just, it's off. I've done it for years. And I honestly, I completely agree with what you're saying there. So if I'm starting to get pulled into that place of fear, anxiety, even if it's, you know, a Grammy award-winning show, well, fuck the show. If it's making me feel anxious before bed, get the fucking thing off the TV. Like, get that off. Yeah. And then people go, yeah, but that's not reality. You know, there is fear in the world. Hang on a minute. Hang on a minute. Okay. I understand where you're coming from, but because you're coming from a fear state most of the time, you're coming from that perceived idea and you're trying to spread that idea onto me. Now, is that the true version of reality? Is there really, truly things to be afraid of all the time? Well, listen, we create our version of reality. That's the truth. So if I feel like I live in a friendly universe, well, guess what's going to happen? I'm mostly going to bump into friendly people. I'm going to bump into friendly things and things are good. Things are going to happen. This is the law of attraction. This is vibrations is everything. So if you really want to do this with me, let's, you know, but I don't ever, because it's ridiculous too, because if you go there with someone who's in mind and in ego, it's just fucking stupid. It's like bashing your head against a wall. You are only going to strengthen their position. This is the whole thing with opinions. Opinions are just like our souls, as Paul Check once said, everyone and well, has uh, one. The bigger the opinion, the bigger the arsehole. <laughs> Thank you very much. Very nice. We should just get a t-shirt made. It's just like, opinions are shit. <laughs> I don't do opinions. <laughs> oh. And there I am on a, on a podcast talking about my opinions. Yeah. <laughs> Who's that asshole? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Wow. What happened to surfing? Yeah. Well, it all relates, doesn't it, dude? Surfing is life. Life is surfing. Like it's all, it's all one wave. We're, we're riding one wave after the next. That's the metaphor for the show, isn't it? It is one big metaphor. That's why we love what we do here. And I think that's why it is good fun to do as well, is that this, it goes so many places. And the messages that you guys have sent about, even if you don't surf, that the show is bringing things to talk about. Of course <laughs> or it is. things to listen to on the way to wherever yeah. you're going. Surf, kite surf, sup even. Dude, you could do the mindful tiddlywinkers. You could do the mindful chess player. Yeah. That you do mindful fucking masturbation. No. You could. <laughs> I thought I was going to for one. You knew. Leave. I, I, you I, knew a... I was going there, dude. I've got an empty bingo card, you and I was knew. loving it. So what, the mindful masturbation episode one. So what I do is <laughs> I put the KY jelly there. Okay, let's uh, take a deep a breath, and I get some incense sticks going, and. Massage my own shoulders and I really look after myself in the preparation for. I'll stop there. It's no longer a bingo list of Will Sweward. It's Matt Biolos's list of why he's not sponsoring Will Correct. <laughs> we would have been sponsored weeks and months ago if I yeah. hadn't come out of my potty mouth. <laughs> Segment number three Mind Body Stoke. Things Liam and I have been working on with the mind and body to raise the stoke. I want to mention something I didn't mention last week. I really want to bring this up because I feel like I'm very passionate about this stuff. I played cricket on the weekend just gone and also the weekend before. The weekend before was the first game of the season. And a beautiful sunny day. Everything went pretty well. Um, I had a good bat, good innings. And I then fielded the ball a ton of times and was really involved. One of those days in cricket you really want to have. You're super involved. Good fun. Good bunch of guys. And at the end of the day, there was a lovely vibe for a little drink. And uh, anyway, I turned to the lads, grab a couple of drinks, grab a round, a few ciders. No big deal. I hadn't had a cider for 
And those of you listening in America, would you know the yeah. Americans drink? Yeah, of course they drink cider. Yeah, fine. I hadn't had an alcoholic beverage for a couple of years, really, because last time I'd had cider, I it was two years previous. I, my knee had really flared up, and I decided from that moment that I was like, Do you know what, this just stuff just isn't good for me. But on that day, I went, no, I'm going to take a gamble. Here. I'm going to take a little risk and and have one. And it did. It made my knee really flare up. It took me two or three days of icing, stretching, really good nutrition, anti-inflammatories, all my usual omega-3s, turmeric, tons of you know extra anti-inflammatories just to bring it down. And one of the reasons why I get these kind of responses from something like alcohol is something called histamine intolerance. Now, histamine intolerance is something that comes up when you are not producing an enzyme called DAO. Now, DAO is something that the gut produces when you have a healthy gut. Now, my gut's been seriously compromised over the years via things like antibiotics, stress in my 20s, excessive amounts of sugar addiction, and all kinds of stuff. And in fact, excessive amounts of alcohol in my late teens and early 20s as well. It's one of those ones where I manage it by keeping basically probiotics out of my diet. Sounds like a bit of a funny one, this. So if anyone listening to this makes like, wow, not having probiotics, they're good for you. Well, no, for people with out a natural production of DAO, the number of symptoms you can get from taking on bacteria-forming foods. So for example, that's like anything from smoked salmon to olives to um, nut butters to cheese, dark chocolate, wine, alcohol, cider, whatever. Anything with an aged process within it. Just gone through my whole shopping list. Basically, maybe. But and like even leftovers. I can't have, etc. You just tune into it because you start to realize there are a number of symptoms. It's like, you know, random joints swelling up out of nowhere. Dizziness in the brain. There's loads. Hives is another histamine. Itchy nose. There's, there are hundreds of histamine intolerance symptoms. But all you've got to do if you want to start tuning into this stuff is basically start by actually buying a DAO supplement. So you can actually buy it. The extract comes from pork kidney. So the kidney of animals is a phenomenal DAO supplement. If you want to take it on naturally, just eat more kidney, except I don't like kidney whatsoever. So what I do is I just tend to steer clear of aged foods, foods that are going to raise my histamine. But the point is, that's just details. I mean, you can do your own research on this if you like. There's a person I want you to check out if you think you might have stuff on that department. And it's she's called The Histamine Chef. Phenomenal resource. We'll leave that in the show notes. And she'll talk about all the supplements and all things to do on there and, and the ways to manage your diet and et cetera, et cetera. But um, the insight on this really isn't to do with the details of the biology, etc. It's much more just to do with be kind to yourself. Because I was not initially, and, and it took hindsight to be able to go, oh, mate, just give yourself a break. Because, you know, it's a side You were having fun. It's all good. But mentally in my head, I said, look, next time, you're in a fucking hope in hell. I'm touching alcohol. And we had the next game, and my mate turned to me, and I had, again, I had a really good day. I, I scored a few runs. I had, you know, a few involvements in the bowling and things. And I was, oh, there was a real good buzz and the weather was great. But again, I just went with that hindsight and that bit of wisdom. It's that big word, wisdom, isn't it? It's a much easier thing to talk about than to do because it really affects my surfing, my knee. If my knee starts swelling up, it just, oh, just pisses me off. It really makes my surfing a bit more difficult because you need healthy knees for surfing. And I said, no, and it was cool. And it's the journey of health and it relates so much to your surfing. The level of health you're in will be directly related to the quality of surfing you're producing. That is an absolute fact. Yeah, There's I, just yeah. no doubt about it, mentally, physically. And, you know, as people who listen to this for a long time will know, I love a beer. Then, actually, intrinsically, there is a long-standing relationship with surfing in this country and booze, right? Even Korev sponsored Surf England, I think. <laughs> there you make 
So St. Austell Brewery do sponsor Surf England. They don't sponsor me, sadly. But there you go. <laughs> uh, that's, another, that's another story for another time. But I even know, as much as I manage it myself well, that the impact of drinking the night before will make my surfing not as good. Just as simple as that. It's a simple equation. And certainly if you don't do it in moderation. Alcohol is a tricky one. Now, I am try and just have a couple of days where I have a beer every week. But I got into a little bit of a bad habit of just uh, every now and again, just sort of doing it during the week, during lockdown. So this week I'm off the booze till Thursday or Friday, and then it will be a treat, and then I'll be back into it. But it's very hard to do when you get into habits. Habit forms, doesn't it? It's trying to go back to doing it a little bit more mindfully. There'll be friends of mine laughing and saying, I've seen him drinking very non-mindfully. <laughs> but where, <laughs> where you use it to just enjoy what you're drinking, just enjoy the moment, and not to take it to excess. But if it has a negative impact on two things, one is your behaviour. You know, and if you're not as nice a person after as few beers as you are when you start drinking, that's the time to sort of have a think about stopping. And when you have a very negative impact on your well-being, health, physically, or your mind even, it's a very hard line to walk, the booze line. Even though we joke about it, it's a dangerous drug. And, mm. you know, as Aubrey Marcus would say, if you're taking something that is a drug, you've got to make sure that you're the one doing the driving and you're driving mm. the drug and the drug's not driving you. Well said. Well said, my friend. Anything you want to share? Two things, because you know we talk about technical progression and video. We still haven't had any video footage of ourselves, because we'd like to see some of that. The guys at Ombi who I posted, again, I watch their YouTube thing every Sunday morning just to sort of look at their, the live that they do and, um, and some of the tips that Clayton gives. Uh, I've promised I will sign up and pay for their course as well, which is, uh, is, is long overdue. Quite northern. Yeah, but one thing, I, <laughs> one thing I did like that they said is, a bit connected to what we're saying, is we're talking about training and progression. But you can still enjoy your surfing. It's to train on the land and to do a lot of the hard yards on ground so that when you are in the water, you can just relax and have a good time. Yes, you're applying those things, but it's not to take the enjoyment out of it. And I've been there myself. I'm thinking, shit, oh, damn, I didn't try that. You've got to just reset the mind and think, well, what am I getting in the sea for? Mm. It's to have a good time first. And if I make the progression, great. And if I don't, so be it. I'll just go back to land practice and try that again till I get back in the water the next time. So almost you do your frustrating bits on outside of the water and then you get in and just go with the flow once you're in. There are so few surfers I see really enjoying it. It's the absolute truth. Let's say if I'm just reading on body language and performance level and getting to know people and you sort of start to realise that it takes a very aware human to get true enjoyment out of a sport where people can see you doing it. I mean, if you're always surfing totally on your own, you'd still, if you weren't aware of your ego, have it controlling you in terms of how well you did or didn't do. So regardless of whether people could see you doing it or not, when someone's really, really enjoying their surfing, it's coming from that intrinsic how it feels. To be connected to the body like that so much and be able to let this egoic mind pass is a rare human. It is really rare. You actually look around surfers, it's just not actually having that much fun. <laughs> well, it's because of the judgment and the fear. If you combine judgment and fear, mm. it's a toxic mix. And there's a lot of that toxic mix in a lot of lineups. Overriding that is one of the biggest things of accessing enjoyment in your surfing. Yeah. To surf like no one's watching is where it's at. Where it's at. And this is what everything we stand for on the show. And the, the only thing you've got to do is just be aware of your mind, aware of your body, and um, notice the illusionary nature of them. Reconnect with focus back to you know why you're there, looking at the view, the feeling, the board, the whole experience of just the joy of it. And that joy will naturally come back. But if you, I think this is what we talked about a lot on the show, is that if you try and force that joy and that stoke to come back, that will elude you even further. So like you said, your word reset is really good. I really like that, just that reset. And that's breath, deep breathing. Here I am. 
the surf will be what it will be. As you gently, patiently, a big word this, if you're just patient with yourself and patient with your performance, patient with how many waves you've been catching, patient with the conditions, patient with the lineup itself, the crowd, if you are patient, it will come and it will start to flow again. And even if it doesn't come because you were patient, by virtue of being patient, you'll leave the water calm and stoked anyway, regardless of really how the surf went. So that's that difference. And that takes that aware human. This is everything we stand for on this show where you, regardless of what kind of session you've had, you're still calm and ready to hit life again. You're getting out onto land and you've got stuff to deal with and you're dealing with it calmly because you're already here. You're aware. Dude, I just want to mention one more thing on Mind Body Stoke. This is a mind thing. Seek novelty. I've been riding the longboard quite a lot lately and riding in some punchy stuff as well. I rode it yesterday in some quite punchy stuff. I'm just loving that novelty. Mm-hmm. And see if you can have novelty in your life and create novelty and make decisions that give you novelty because it's so easy to get into the the quagmire of day-to-day living, like same boards, same approach, same beach, same setups, etc. But if you can just switch things up a little, whichever way that can be, it really is a radical thing that you can give to your mind and body, that little, that massive boost of like, wow, fuck, that was rad. Like, you know, you were saying the other day, there was that shore dump. If you'd bought down some body surf kit. Yeah. It's a classic example. Totally. So maybe next time that's happening, yeah. next time the tide's yeah. super onshore like that. Just swim it. Yeah, just bring down your yeah. fins. The hand plane and the fins. And the template. There is always joy in novelty. Yeah. Because it switches up the mind, it switches up the body. Novelty can really put a smile on your face. But you are loving the longboard. There you go. You become a longboarder. Mate, I know. I'm just, I think it's kind of lending itself quite well to my physique too. I'm quite heavy. And we've got strong legs and I'm not the most nimble mm. and agile of surfers. So I think it's giving me a chance to kind of really throw something around that feels kind of right yeah, and yeah. cool for where I'm at in my journey. Because I, I know I'll go back to doing loads of shortboarding as soon as it pumps. I will. I guarantee I will. You're looking good on it, dude. You're but looking it's, good on the, it's on, fun. on the longboard. It's fun. It's fun. You just have to get like a second mortgage to buy one because they're, they're, they're about a million pounds. <laughs> that's so expensive. It's like, hey, that's a lovely board. How much is that? Oh, three grand. <laughs> Mate, it's so classic. And honestly, it reminds me of all the friends I have in the world who, like, well, they'll buy a board for X price. Yeah. And I'm revealing no names yeah. here. I'm not. I will not spill the beans and get people in trouble. They'll buy a board at X price. And the price that gets, so here's what happens. We get sold a price. Yeah. The real one. Then the selling hasn't finished. Because <laughs> the, tr- <laughs> the true selling is you've now got to sell it to your partner. Yeah. Now, at what price do you sell it at? Because it will generally hover around 10% less. 20 if you're a real proper liar. If you're a deeply passionate liar, you'll be hitting down the 40% reduction mark. Maybe sometimes someone will just literally flat out go from an 800 quid board down to 200 yeah. quid. Basically, surfers are liars. <laughs> you know, how long are you going to be in the session? Uh, I don't know, an hour? What time are you surfing? Uh, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah, yeah. All of that stuff. How much was the board? Uh, 350 quid. <laughs> Do you know what's yeah. so funny as well? Where did you buy it from? The 1970s? <laughs> honestly? And if my mum heard, she, and she probably listens to the show, she's like, Mum, if you're listening, honestly, I promised the board was 300, 350. It so wasn't, Mum. I've got to say, I've got to be honest on the show, it so wasn't. It was yeah. more. It was more. Boards are expensive today. But the secondhand market has never been bigger. Yeah. So please, please, please be patient and hold out because you will find yeah. what you want. If you just keep holding, yeah. hold out, holding, hold out. And it takes a lot of work. You know, if you're saving yourself two or three inches quick as you get in second hand, it's going to take some graft. You're going to have to keep looking on all the channels that you can find your second hand kit on. I have to say personally, I think second hand surfboards for the UK mm. is phenomenal on Facebook. Yeah. 
I mean, God, around the world, there are so many secondhand websites now for boards. Definitely it's just do. Huge. And if anybody wants to buy a Tomo Evo, we've got one for sale. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Classic example. Okay. Final segment. Anything you want to share on surf media? I watched on the weekend, just gone, while I was feeling beaten up by the sort of surf, the double surf. Torren Martin, again, he's basically going, episode one, he starts in Scotland, I think, or starts in Ireland, goes to Scotland, and then they're going to go all the way down to Africa, him and his buddy, and they bought this old transit van, and it's pretty typical Torren Martin stuff. You know, it's not fast-paced, a laugh a minute. But in terms of seeing a different sort of surf scenery and seeing him surf some of, uh, for those listening in the UK, uh, some of the waves on this side of the world, ah, it's pretty good, it's pretty good. Really cool. Just for the surf photography. It's really good. If he sees eight foot offshore perfection and be like, oh yeah, yeah, will be a surf mate. Yeah. yeah, looks all right. I might just have a snooze first. Yeah, <laughs> get in the water, mate. <laughs> fucking go, go, go. <laughs> Come but, you know, on, Torin. Him and his sort of childhood mate Ishka doing this. Ah, it's good to watch. Yeah, yeah cool. Good to see. Right, I'm gonna watch that tonight. There you go. Nice one, guys. Thanks for joining. See ya. See you soon. <laughs>